following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. Early Super Bowl bye week edition with my Wise Guy one-on-one, Steve Fezzik, professional batter. I'm R.J. Bell. Matty Holt back next week for our props special. Next week, we'll be going through all of the major props, giving you multiple picks on them and updates on what we talk about this week. This week is going to be a focus on the game itself, including power ratings analysis, stats, a secret home field advantage, optimal betting advice, including a best bet from Fez himself, the only two-time super contest winner. And then as a bonus at the end of the show, a pro bowl betting preview. Listen, if you want to be a real degen, if you want to be a real degen, there's nothing that makes you feel that way. Like betting the pro bowl. You know, it reminds me of guys when I moved to Vegas, it's been 20 years ago, this super bowl. Wow. That I moved to Vegas. And I remember, you know, I was hanging out at the Mirage a bunch Fez. You remember the Mirage was the main poker room in town, really the only legitimate poker room before the Bellagio opened. Were you here for any of that? Oh, I was coming to Vegas. I was visiting. were, Were you playing cards? I was not. I missed out on the poker boom. I didn't start playing until about 2005. Yeah. So really there was a number of years. It was all Mirage. I mean, like there was, you could hardly, like you couldn't get anything. It sounds crazy today. I don't think there was another, and there could have been a place I, you know, that just was, you know, in the corner on a Tuesday, they might have a different game. But other than one five stud, it was hard to find anything in any other room in town. And at the Bellagio, there was no, oh, I'm sorry, at the Mirage, right, pre-Bellagio, there was no, no limit. It was all limit. And the grinders were usually playing 10-20 limit. You know, I started out 6-12 limit, and then I got to the 10-20. Well, in the movie Rounders, what year did that come out, Matt? I think that was like nine. I, I'm just guess. I should know this. I think it was 97, 98. Matt Damon says, all I'm thinking about right now is collecting my winnings and going to the Mirage. Yeah, yeah. At the time, that was absolutely true. And it was a good scene there. I mean, the Bellagio, it all got big. I mean, it was a small scene. You know, it's always funny to think that, you know, on a, on a Wednesday night, there might have been. I, I can still see the room. They had the little riser in the back. On a Wednesday night, let's say a random, you know, weeknight, there might have been one, two, ten tables going, you know, and it was the only real room in town. And comps were so easy back then. We used to scoot on Cove <laughs> all over to Spring Mountain, go in there, bet three, four dimes on an NBA game or two, and ask for a comp for two to CPK. More often than not, not a problem. And the reason I bring it up is, as a young, you know, as a tw- I guess twenty-seven year old at the time, is the idea of you know there was a lot of people who went to the gentlemen's clubs. Let's just say that, right? And I would say I was in the middle of the spectrum there. I wasn't extreme either way, but there'd be guys that says, yeah, we came out of the Rhino. You know, at the time, the OG was the club, the Olympic gardens. It's like, we came out and the sun was coming up and I kind of get it right. Like if you walk out of a strip club and the sun is up, you know, it's eight thirty, seven thirty, whatever there. If you like love the life, 
there's something so degenerate about it. You almost want to embrace your inner truth. Like part of you wants to hide that inner truth. Right. And part of you wants to embrace it. You ever have that emotion? You know, I'm not supposed to reference The Hobbit, but I'm thinking about what. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're talking about strip clubs at dawn and you're talking about The Hobbit. I'm going somewhere with this. And I'm thinking about that chapter. It better be good. The chapter with the night trolls where if they if the sun hits them, they turn to stun. They turn to stone and they go, no, the sun as you're walking out of a casino or a strip club. But it's actually the opposite. Yes. (laughs) In this case, you're actually embracing that it's demented that you're coming out in the sun. All right. Fez is the only guy in the world. I am Elma J. Foote, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. <laughs> that could root a strip club story. You hate the Hobbit. With the quotes. Hobbit. You and hate how you keep doing it. Some would say that's passive aggressive. Maybe. 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 Okay. So anyway, to wrap it up. <laughs> and if we added, listen, you guys are never going to wonder if we added this thing because if I ever edited anything, I would have edited that out. So now you know for sure. You're getting it off the cuff extemporaneously. But <laughs> but here's the thing. If you want to feel like you're walking out of a strip club at 730 in the morning at the Pro Bowl, it's almost the same thing. Slightly different type of being a degenerate. It's on TV, RJ. We got to bet something. Let's talk Patriots, Jags from last week. Fez, We when we have these featured individual games we like to break down at most from multiple perspectives and one of them is how did the teams look last week do we upgrade do we downgrade obviously it was an amazing comeback from the pats let's not state the obvious we're not a local news program what adjustments did you make what did you learn from that pats game I learned that Blake Bortles may well have been good enough to win the Super Bowl. He played the game of his life on a big stage and the Patriots were able to survive it. I had to downgrade them because they could have lost that game. I think they did. We talked about conspiracy theorists. I think they did get a little help from the refs. Ultimately, Brady won the game, but I downgraded New England half a point from where I had them just because they were so vulnerable in that game. So the Pat, I mean, they obviously didn't cover the spread and Let's talk about the injury because we did a, we broke a report pregame.com on Friday morning before the game. And what we stated in the report was that multiple pros have reached out to me and said that Brady's hand was worse than being reported that the mainstream was reporting one thing, but the truth was another. And due to that discrepancy, they had pessimism about Brady's performance. Now that tweet had over a thousand retweets at RJ in Vegas on Twitter. You can follow me. And it got a lot of, you know, Colin Cowherd was talking about a lot of attention, but also some skeptics after saying, well, you're wrong. It's like, well, no, think about what the tweet said. It said his hand is worse than people reporting at the time. They reported four stitches And it was because somehow he scraped his hand against the helmet. And what ended up happening was he had 12 stitches and actually on Twitter just today, it's Wednesday now. So a couple of days after the game and someone was saying, and and this is the dumb guy, RJ, you were wrong about this. It's like, well, no, read the tweet. I mean, this is like fifth grade reading comprehension, read it. And then actually the doc, this doctor, who's a pretty famous guy on Twitter, I wish I had, I'll try, 
I'll look it up. As, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to find it because it's been a while. But uh, um, on my feed, if you want, you can find it. I guess he responded and said, oh, no, no, no. He goes, RJ was right and actually mentioned the only way the hand would rip that way is if it had like a, a some grade sprain. I don't want to quote if it's a first grade or a fifth grade because I can't remember which which direction the grades go in. But it was like the lowest grade sprain. He says it, he, the, the doctor said there's no way he could have ripped his hand like that without that kind of sprain. So obviously we can take our bows for being literally the only people out there that was, you know, we broke the story and it got its proper due and we appreciate that. And that's one great thing about batting is it's not like batters know more about injuries in every game, every player, but occasionally we get information uh, that the public just doesn't have. Yeah. And let's face it, 12 stitches. I, I remember I got my eyebrow busted open. I thought you were going to say pierced. Back in college. Yeah, right. That, that's going to happen. <laughs> and I think I had 10 stitches, and that was a pretty severe damage to my head when well, that occurred. You were worried about the matinee looks. I was just <laughs> ha- happy to not have a concussion and be able to get home. But the bottom line is that I, did it affect him? It's kind of hard to tell, right? There's a lot of factors well, going let, on. Let, let's guess. Did, did the uh, Pats cover? No. Did it go over or under? Under. Huh. Seems like there's a 25% chance. Like if, and it doesn't mean if it went over, he would have not been affected, but it seems to me other, and listen, we can say other than other than there's some Brady has a next gear. You know, they, I don't know if they talk about dad mode, you know, like your dad's wrestling with you, but then he can, you know, he can go to another level and you can, even when you were almost as strong as him, when he doesn't go to dad's, you know, you're 14 or whatever, or it's, you you know, we can call it, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan used to wave the finger and he went to another level, right? Whatever you want to call it is there was two times or chunks of time that New England had to score. It felt, and maybe had to, is it right? But high stakes to score the end of the half. It would have been tough. They went in down as much as they were before that last score. And then obviously down 10 in the fourth. If you separate those two times, which really make up what? Eight minutes of the game. So in 52 minutes of the game, they scored what? Three points. I mean, if I would have made you, I mean, I'm not sure how you frame that bat, but wouldn't you say in general, except when they went into Brady time, we'll call it that new England's offense looked as bad as you've seen it in years. Oh, absolutely. And, we, and we were just thinking that's a coincidence. Well, and one thing regarding that second gear, look at the past seven Super Bowls. The Patriots, we'll talk about this. They have not scored in the first quarter in seven straight Super Bowls. The man absolutely makes adjustments and plays better as the game goes on. But that's somehow like in some soft way trying to negate my point is were you surprised at how the Pats looked in the first 27 minutes of the game? Oh, very much on so. offense. Very much so. They so, were struggling. So we just are assuming, okay, he had 12 stitches. He probably had a, a slight sprain slash, you know, some kind of, you know, trauma beyond the stitches. But we're thinking, and he looked as bad in those 27 minutes as he's looked in years, but we're thinking it's a coincidence. I mean, like, how's this even a debate? I'm asking, I want, I'm, I'm saying, try your very best to make the counterpoint. Well, I think that once he got used to it, that he got better. All right, so the, if, if the, I would the initial you, adjustment time was if, very difficult. If I would have told you for 27 of the 60 minutes of the game, he's going to play very limited. 
Would you, or or even let's say moderately limited? Would you say that over the course of the game, if you blend it, it would be somewhat limited? Yes, max bet Jacksonville, obviously. Well, I don't know about that because I didn't max bet Jacksonville. I again, I tweeted out the same day. I said. Brady's Brady. I said he could throw for 400 yards. The question is, is what they're reporting true or is it worse than that? And if so, what factor is that? I thought it was about a two. I mean, we were on first preview. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the old show's name. We were on straight out of Vegas. You know, we used to have our local show here on ESPN, but this was straight out of Vegas nationally on Fox Friday night, Saturday night, 11 Pacific Friday, 10 Pacific, two hours on Saturday night. And I said, you know, I think it's worth a point and a half or two points. So to me, Brady was worth, you know, seven, let's say, to Hoyer. And I thought that it was two points. Can In hindsight, do we really want to debate if his hand was worth two points? We're not going to debate that. I think it's clear that it was. You know, one thing that I regret is I wish I had made a big bet on Jacksonville parlay to the under because I think there was a strong correlation that Brady wasn't 100% that we could get there with both bets. But typically it's favorite and over and dog and under. Right. So in theory, it would have been a, not an advantage, but a, but a more conventional parlay. But there was, if the handicap about Brady's hand was right, it would have affected both of those. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. So that's a good point. If you could get a, um, a leverage effect, meaning you're, we're not certain how hurt his hand is, but if his hand really was hurt more, like, and again, I think it turned out to be moderately hurt more then it would help both of those. It was an unknown that would help both of your pieces at the parlay. Exactly. And I don't think that New England gets to 24 points if Jacksonville's offense didn't play as well as they did. I think New England had to take some risks on offense and got away with them and got some extra points because they were down. You're the master of the in-game. I mean, literally, the uh, ESPN, what, three, four years ago, Michelle Steele was in town. Very nice reporter for the ESPN. I'm a big fan. And she watched you. They taped you doing you know, filmed you doing your in-game stuff and everything. And they had what, a little four minute segment on, on ESPN. Exactly. And it was like Mozart when he, he had like his screen and he's watching the games and he's hitting it. It was like Mozart on the piano. I mean, not quite, but maybe like a, let's say a state finalist in Nevada for the, you know, high school state piano finals, maybe. Yeah, that was fun. And it, it, in the in-game wagering, New England hit plus three and a half in this game, and they're plus 150. What did they hit on the money line? So you're saying th- their lowest point when they were down 10, what was it, like 11 minutes left in the game? Uh, yeah, I think they were actually plus 180 at that point. I think that's that's the highest number that I saw. Wow. It's so shit. Show- People believe in the Patriots coming back, RJ. They love <laughs> betting the Pats as a big dog. I guess it makes sense. I guess it makes sense. All right, so let's recap. Anything else? I think we've covered the Pats game pretty well. I think so. All right, let's re. And again, the Jags. We're not here to talk about Bortles next year and all that. We're here about what did we learn about the Pats? Let's talk Eagles. I've got a strong opinion on this. I want to get your opinion first. Takeaways from that game. I upgraded my Eagles power rating by a little more than a point. I really thought it was Nick Foles just played a great game. I was so impressed, and I was also very impressed with the coaching staff of the Eagles allowing Foles to keep zinging the ball, keep being aggressive. I did not expect that from them, and because of that, absolutely upgraded the Eagles. Of course, the Vikings played a poor game. How much of that was the Eagles' elite defense? I'm really not sure. Power ratings update, net-net, Patriots plus 8.5 points better than an average team. That's number one in the NFL. They'd be favored on a neutral by Fezzik's power ratings by 
three points against any team. And the Vikings would be the smallest underdog based on your power ratings. Rams, Saints, Steelers next. Jags after that. Atlanta after that. And then tied right now with the Eagles. Carolina, the L.A. Chargers. Oh, you're going to get people mad in Philly. The Chargers (laughs) didn't make the playoffs. But if you were making God's line, so it's not about the public. It's not about bias. It's purely splitting the result. You would make the line between the Chargers and the Eagles even. I would. All right. It's at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K. A little Philly hate. If you want to send it, feel free. Philly loves me. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. They're in the Super Bowl. I do think with Nick Foles, they'd probably win nine games, just like the Chargers would over the course of a season. Okay, so speaking of picking Philadelphia, you think he's just saying that. He and I were on Colin Cowherd, uh, previewed the NFL season. We did one week in the AFC, one week in the NFC. Doing the NFC week, Fez, Colin asked Fez, who's your... Super Bowl picks, and he said New England, and he said Philadelphia. We're actually going to get the sound on that and have it for you guys next week. See if Matty Holt will probably like make some excuse that he had him too, I'm guessing. And I, the reason I love the Eagles too is the last two weeks, I really think that the Eagles became an undervalued commodity. And so looking back on it, heck, they're getting three at home against Atlanta. They're getting three at home against Minnesota. Now, RJ, they're not home anymore. They're playing a better team in New England, and they're only getting five. Okay, so let's break down first what your power ratings tell us the line should be. New England, eight and a half, as we said, plus eight and a half. Eagles plus three. I think I mentioned that, but there it is. So five and a half points on a neutral field. And now the question becomes, and let's jump to the, the hidden home field advantage. You think there's a home field at first glance. I didn't think anything of the sort go. Yeah. So a whole lot going on. So on any normal neutral five and a half points, New England's favored. However, I think that this is a once in a generation Philadelphia experience. How often do the Eagles get to the Super Bowl? Maybe once every 15, 20 years, 1980, right? So, Oh, they, they lost. They were there with McNabb twice since 80. So once in, once in a generation, fair enough. If you're, you know, if you're frolicking around at at age 18, um, because of that and this Super Bowl's in Minnesota, who wants to go to Minnesota in the wintertime? I don't want to go to Minnesota. I think every Eagles fan is going to want to go if they can make it financially, if they have the time for the new England fans, I am not so sure that they're going to show very well. For this Super Bowl, heck, they're in the Super Bowl every year. If there's one you'd skip, it'd be the one in Minnesota. I expect the crowd to be very pro-Eagles in terms of the people who are rooting diehard for New England versus diehard for Philly. And just the fan advantage in the stadium, what do you give it? I would have given it a point, but I've lowered it, and here's why. All these reports about how badly the Minnesota fans were treated when they went to Philadelphia— I'm very concerned that the locals that attend the game from Minnesota are going to be angry at the Eagles and they're going to root against them. Now that's next level stuff. Usually, usually we save it, but here it is. That was good. I wouldn't have thought of that. Okay. So you're going to a half. There's still a net positive though for Philly. Net positive for Philly. I think they're going to take over the town of Minneapolis, but I think, Minnesota is going to not be friendly towards the Eagles because of all those reports of ugliness on game day. Okay. 
So let's quantify something because home field advantage is, I think can be broken up with familiarity with the venue, uh, the sight lines, the turf, what are the locker rooms, the trip from the hotel. So one factor, two is the crowd support. And I also think three would be is the advantage of living at home, the advantage of, you know, knowing the restaurants you like. Oh, you ran out of your omega-3 vitamins. Okay, you know where the GNC is or wherever you're buying. Whatever it is that people do in their life, if you're on the road, it's tougher. Um, so obviously there's none of that advantage. Right? There's no great advantage with the venue. This is a crowd advantage. How do you rate New England's advantage when it comes to being familiar with a Super Bowl trip? And one of the things that Brady ta has talked about openly is the Super Bowl is like two games because there's so much lead up time to the kickoff. And then halftime is so long that it's like you got to play the first game. You got to play the second game. And figuring out when to eat, figuring out not to get too excited early, all of those things, it seems like teams familiar with the Super Bowl have such a big advantage. Yeah, I think it's a point to a point and a half. And frankly, I'm very worried that the Eagles are going to celebrate too much. We saw maybe the Vikings celebrate too much when they beat the Saints on the last play. That was an epic win to get to the Super Bowl. We're going to the Super Bowl, gentlemen, and everyone's like pouring champagne. There's no champagne for the Patriots. Look at Belichick. He doesn't even want the AFC title trophy. Hey, give it to some suit. You know, we're here to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but with two weeks, you got to figure if, if there was only a week in between, that might be more play. It's going to be hard to imagine they're going to be flat from the win two weeks ago. Not flat, but I think that this could be somewhat of a celebratory trip for the Eagles versus all business for the Patriots. Now, if you, I'm not sure I agree with that, but I hear it. Um, I think the analogy is is the London trip. Now, I think the London trip that Jacksonville has an advantage with because they do it every year is also they've been adopted in a way by the London by the city. So, but I think just it's unusual and if you've done it before, you've made some mistakes and obviously Belichick again, it's kind of funny to think but with the Giants and with the, he was, you know, all the times he's gone to the Super Bowl, it's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, more than any human on earth. So he not only has the eighth trip with Brady, he had many before that. Yeah, absolutely. With all that experience, you know, I don't know how distracted the Patriots are going to be with both their coordinators moving on. That's another factor that is a real unknown to me. And it's, I just don't know, RJ, do they just put life on hold for two weeks and totally focus on the Super Bowl, or are they looking ahead to their head coaching jobs? Now, we fresh remember, are both of them officially hired? As good as hired. McDaniels is... So, so the answer is no. I think it's yes. I think I think the, the reports are... So it's are, been announced, and he signed the contract. It has not been announced, but everything I read says McDaniels is going to Indianapolis. Yeah, it's going to be hard to... I mean, it's everything you read. Would you, would you bet... $200,000 against a thousand. I would lay 10 to make one. I just wouldn't so bet you, that much. Yeah. I would lay 10 to make one. He's going, uh, but I, I, I was making you lay a hundred to make one. <laughs> no, you were No, I would not. All right. So you're saying you think it's 90%, but, but it's not, extremely not likely. That's right. Okay. Was 90% extremely likely? Very likely. <laughs> All right. So it seems to me, you got to consider the source or consider the, the people that's involved might be the better way to say it is, what is Belichick's 
number one ethos? What is it? What is his his almost mantra? We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to the next game. We're on. obviously these guys were very successful with New England. It's not like Belichick's trying to shove them out the door because he you know he doesn't want to fire them, but he they're not really the coordinators he wants. From what I understand, he was it was very gracious this time. And again, it feeds into the rumors about could Belichick be leaving, but he was very gracious to let his coordinators uh, interview and all the, you know, where typically he might be a little bit surly about that. It strikes me. He likes these guys a lot. And I don't think Belichick could like anyone that would get distracted. Yeah, it's a great point. And I fully ex- expect that they're going to you know be all in. I just think it's difficult when you're going on to a new job, especially Patricia, when it's been announced that he's absolutely going to the Lions to not be looking ahead a little bit. See, I disagree. I, I think these guys realize that it doesn't matter who you are, except Brady and Belichick, perhaps. But the, the fact that they're that they are they are them. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, is the fact that they are who they are means it doesn't apply to them. But other than Brady and Belichick, like. Winning a Super Bowl is a rare opportunity. I mean, there's many, many people that's coached a whole career that never even plays in it or, or participates in a Super Bowl, right? Mike Golick is famous for he won't attend a game from, you know, the old Mike and Mike show and with Trey Wingo now on ESPN is, you know, he's famous. He won't attend a game because he didn't get there as a player. So I wonder if, if, if the Philly being in a change is a form at all, but to me, it's like these guys got to know if they have one. I don't know. Remember how many rings each of them have. But, you know, at some point, the odds are these are the if I had to bet you, you pick McDaniels or the D.C. and said, after this game, would you bet me that one of them gets a Super Bowl ring? What would the odds be? I got to think about this because Belichick's probably retired by the time they assuming they cycle through this head job because you might think well they that you know they cycle through this job three and a half years they get fired they make a lot of money then they go back to be a a coordinator is but Belichick's probably retired soon after I would bet no Super Bowl for these two and I'm like, not saying both of them I'm saying one and I think together they're favorite one of them's favorites to to win a Super Bowl I think individually they're individually an underdog I'm not so sure if they're favorite even together. Even together. All right. So you're saying it might be you Detroit's know, 25% no, or something de- just alone. I have a theory that Detroit, now I know they could go on head coach somewhere else. Yeah. I have a theory that Detroit can't win a Super Bowl because no free agent wants to go to Detroit. Yeah. So I agree. It's a tough, obviously history tells us it's a tough place to win and win at the highest level. It hasn't happened. So they're sitting there with however many rings they have saying, I realize this prize the last year or this could very well be. Alphas like this that, that are winners aren't thinking this is certainly or I, you know I'm a long shot, but they're thinking these are precious opportunities. And ultimately, I agree with that. I did not make an adjustment. I'm aware of the factory. It could be worth half a point, but I didn't. I did not make any adjustment for both of them likely leaving. Pregame.com. I'm R.J. Bell talking to the only two-time Super Contest champion Steve Fezzik. He has a mansion and he has a yacht. It's true. This is the dream preview. All right. <laughs> it's true. Who are we kidding? All right. Let's talk the rest of coaching. Um, I was very surprised. I'll, I'm going to be straight up right now. And let's get to the core of this game handicap. You and I were debating by text when Philly was pulling away. And I wanted to open or not open, but project the line 
at seven and a half. All right. I'm full disclosure. It sounds a little goofy now. We'll see if it was goofy. I wanted seven and a half. You were like, yeah, maybe, but seven. Now, this, was at, oh, oh. this was at halftime. All right, fair enough. Early, this was before Philly totally dominated the second half. Yeah. So to be the fair fact with both that we're numbers. Even, the fact that we're even saying that shows how absurd the idea that one half of one game, when they have the lead anyway. I mean, imagine if it was week 14 and the Eagles were up the way they were at halftime. And then I said, you know, I called you at halftime. I said, Fez, what are you doing with the Eagles? And say, like, ah, yeah, probably one point upgrade. Okay, good. And then they end up, you know, running, you know, extending, getting some margin in the second half. Could you imagine you coming back and saying, no, two and a half? Like, how does the second half of that game with the lead even matter? Because we have so, such limited data on Foles, and a lot of the data isn't very good if you look specifically at the Cowboy game. If you look at the but Raider game. up that many points, throwing, wow, what does it even tell you? Oh, he was magnificent against well, the, against arguably the best the defense second, in the, the NFL. Does the second half matter very oh, much? It does. It does. The fact so that you're, you're able up, to you're continue. you have 21, 28, it's fine. No well, big difference. Ultimately, only, I upgraded the Eagles a point and a quarter, and that's why this line isn't seven. A point, 1.25 points? Yes. Okay. Yes, I went. I took him from 1.75. You might remember in the Dream Preview last week, I had him at one and a half. You had him at two. And I said, RJ, it's prob- you're probably right. It's closer to two. So I brought him up to three, and I think that's the difference between the spread being seven, the look at line seven to seven and a half on this game, and bringing this game to six. So just to be clear, where did you see this look at line? Uh, a couple places. I saw I saw a seven, I saw a seven and a half. Where at? I don't recall. I think William Hill had to say. Might have been at five dimes also. All right. So really what we're saying is before that, because again, I think the way they play in this game, maybe it moves at a half point for me. And since it's a key number of seven, you know, maybe. So I ended up agreeing with you and, and we put out our projected line at seven, opened up six and a half. Not that crazy, but you know, now it's down to, you know, taping here on Wednesday in Las Vegas, we're looking at um, four and a half in some spots. So here's my question. Let's do some back of the napkin math here. Atlanta was a three-point favorite at Philly. Now, I want to keep this broad strokes. That means they're six points better. Now, how much better is Atlanta than, or how much better are the Patriots than Atlanta? So let's flip it. Right now, four and a half points better on your power ratings, the Pats. So that means the line on this game should be 10 and a half. Now, Philly had a coin flip to win against Atlanta. Let's not forget that. And, but still, since the line was three, I think you upgrade Philly a point or so off of that Atlanta game. I thought even a little more because Foles, I think there was so much uncertainty with Foles. So we'll take a point off and go to nine and a half. We're ignoring key numbers for a minute. And you're saying, okay, I'm going to upgrade, you know, a point and a quarter here. Let's go point and a half. Let's go. Let's run wild with it. As Bodie said on the wire. All right. Eight. All right. I said seven and a half. What? WTF. And we, WTF. Bring, and, we, and we bring New England down a half point. Maybe we're right at that seven and a half number. So making the Super Bowl, they get brought down. Well, All right. Well, this goes back to, remember we talk about the trend where we say a team that scores. Hold 40, on. Hold on. You're getting off track. I know I'm on track. All right. Go ahead. Let me run with this. A team that scores 40 points. We talk about. They have a horrendous against the spread record in the playoffs, right, RJ? Well, the Eagles almost scored 40. Essentially, they did score 40 by their margin of victory, and the public just saw that. What does the public bet? What they just saw. They saw New England almost lose to Jacksonville, and they saw 
the absolute butt kicking of the Vikings by the Eagles, and they bumped the Eagles arguably too much, making this line five by the way they're betting. <laughs> you done? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's the question. I get, I'm not saying the public, well, I am sometimes saying the public's crazy, but I'm not even debating the public's opinion. I'm debating what the line should be in this game. So, so let's go there. If I said today, right now, what is God's line? What is the true line in this game? What line splits the results 50-50? What is it? Six and a half. We take the five and a half on power ratings. We give New England a one and a half for that experience edge, et cetera. We get to seven. We're going to give the Eagles half a point for I, what I believe will be somewhat of a home field That's a edge. key half off of seven. But yeah, right. yeah. So, we're, so we're at six and a half. And, and also, back to what you're saying, on the look-ahead line two weeks ago, on the Minnesota Philly look ahead line, Minnesota, and this it opened here also. Minnesota was laying four and a half at Philly. If you really wanted to bet Philly plus four and a half, shouldn't you even bet them at home against the Vikings instead of plus four and a half against the genius on a neutral? That's what I'm saying. This is crazy. Now, I am like, wow, gimme, gimme, gimme. But then I heard something that really depresses me because I hate when I have two strong feelings, but they go in opposite directions. It's like wanting to lose weight and loving cheesecake, right? It's a battle. It's a bad, it's a tough battle. True. Isn't there like a Sara Lee cheesecake that's like low calorie? Not no, very but good I know though, that right? Sara Lee. They got that big, oh, that that big red. Put some strawberry on that. Oh, yeah. my. No, but they have like the, the inch and a half of the chair. I don't think it's actually food. I think it's some chemical <laughs> conglomeration. But, <laughs> but here's the second thing. Mike Lombardi, ringer. Big fan of him. I mean, this guy knows football, right? He knows more football, X's and O's. He's forgotten more than I know. And mo- probably forgotten more than any handicapper I know knows. And I say this a bunch, but it's worth saying again. I think one of the, I think one of, how do I want to say this? Biggest opportunities, if you want to be a winning batter, is understanding the X's and the O's because so few batters do. The market really doesn't. And what I like to do is get a guy like Greg Cosell in the herd uh, from NFL films or Lombardi and really listen closely because they'll tell you what they think schematically is going to happen. And I don't always bet that it's just another factor. And quite frankly, it's a factor I don't understand just like Fezzik might uh, you might not understand the power rating super well. Lean on Fezzik for that, but then you can say, well, yeah, I accept Fezzik's five and a half in this game with his power ratings, but I don't agree with him on the home field. I don't agree with it. It's all about compiling these little numbers on a spreadsheet, plus a half, plus a quarter, minus a half, minus a quarter. And at the end, you sum it up and you have a number. And if you don't know how to, if you don't have the expertise to get some of those numbers, then I don't, I don't have my own weather. Pregame.com doesn't have our own, you know, weather a reporter or, or, or meteorologist. Right. But I go to the web on the web and we I probably find, should. Argue yeah. That'd be cool. That we know we made it then baby. How, how good are our, our college football um, totals when we get 20 mile an hour wind forecasts that are accurate? Would you sell your yacht for us to get a meteorologist? No. All right. <laughs> so still we're going to aspire to it, but it's a good concept. I don't know the weather better than the best meteorologist. So I go to them and I plug it in my Excel sheet. If you don't know X's and O's, go to Mike Lombardi, go to whomever. And by the way, guys, if you know other people other than Cosal and Lombardi that you think are really good with the X's and O's, please let me know. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. At RJ in Vegas. 
And I would be very appreciative of that because I'd love to add like two more NFL guys or anyone in college or anyone in the NBA, anyone that knows the X's and O's. They don't have to have any betting experience, but the kind of people, you know, Hubie Brown does this, but you don't, you don't, Hubie's a great announcer, at least in my opinion. I love Hubie, but is, you know, you don't hear him breaking the games down beforehand as much, or maybe there is a place that I don't know about it, but I love that kind of stuff. So this is what Lombardi said. He said, Jacksonville ran out of plays that they knew exactly how to attack new England's defense. And it was, you know, I guess. And again, I want, I don't want to try to reiterate it because I'm not going to do it as well, but it was more or less spread them out and make them play in space was the gist of it that I heard. And Jacksonville doesn't play that way. They're a power football team. So they put in some special stuff and it was like when they, when they ran it, it worked. And then come the late third, fourth quarter, they ran out of plays. And it was like they didn't have – that wasn't their natural state on offense. Their natural state was something New England could have done or would have done well against. But this approach that they used was very effective against New England. The point he's making about the Eagles is the Eagles' natural state is spread them out and run that kind of offense, which means from the Eagles' offense, even with Foles, to the Pats' defense – he believes big advantage for the Eagles. I would agree with that. And I think that Jacksonville being a power running team, when they got the lead and they got up 10, the natural reaction was let's game management, right? And they pounded Fournette. And I think on first down, other than one 14 yard gain, he picked up zero, one, two, zero, one, two. I mean, he just, they, they're totally ineffective on first down. And the Eagles are a much more aggressive team, partly because, you know, they, they've got many more weapons and they're built to be that way even under Foles. It's your belief the line should be about six and a half. So, go ahead. I actually lowered it to six because of one matchup Where edge. Where was this, in the last three minutes? Yeah, because there's. <laughs> I think there is a special matchup edge with Brady so difficult to beat, right? That's how do you beat Tom Brady? You knock Brady on his ass. We saw that with the two losses against the Giants in the Super Bowl. We saw it with the two home playoff losses to Baltimore. You can't blitz him. He'll kill you if you blitz. You got to bring pressure with four, and the Eagles can do it. So I do think there's a schematic advantage for the Eagles on defense to be able to control Tom Brady. So you think there's an advantage on the Eagles defensively against Brady on offense? I misstated that. There's less of a disadvantage than most teams would have because. Okay, no, no, that's fine. Well, yeah, that's the way I thought you meant it, right? It's not that the defense. Well, I don't know. I mean, do the Eagles have the best defense in the NFL? The Eagles are right there. Minnesota, I would have said, would have been number one. Jacksonville's certainly right there. The Eagles are right there. But I think the key is the Eagles don't blitz under Schwartz. They, they just rush four and they get the pressure with four. And that's the way to beat Brady. He'll right. kill you with, if you rush five or six. So this is a powerful concept. Imagine you had the best computer in the world and something like DVOA is very, very good. Like nothing you're going to do, or I'm going to do. They have spent decade plus at full outsiders tweaking, tweaking regression analysis, multiple data scientists. Doesn't mean it's perfect, but it's mighty, mighty good. So you look and it says, all right, how good is the Eagles defense. How good is the new England offense? All right, let's compare that. It doesn't take into account the schemes. Some teams do well against blitzes. Some don't some teams, you know, just go up and down the different schemes. So to me, the starting point on that spreadsheet is all things equal schemes equal. How good's the offense? How good's the defense? So we can make that assessment for Philadelphia's 
offense against the, the Pats D, and now it's the Pats offense against the Eagles D. So two different directions we're looking at. It seems like we think in both directions, beyond what the true merits are of the, the position groups or of the sides of the ball, is the Eagles have an advantage on defense because they don't blitz, and the Pats generally do better against blitzing teams. And on the other hand, what we talked about Lombardi saying with spreading out the Pats, that's another advantage for the Eagles. So on both directions, we're looking at on sides of the ball beyond the true merits of these sides of the ball advantage Eagles two times. Yeah. So maybe we give a half point adjustment for both of those. I think that's probably short. Yeah. So maybe you're going to give a point and a half for Belichick knowing the Super Bowl, but only a third of that for like your scheme is, is I almost ideal against the opponent. I think that experience is absolutely huge, but maybe we, we, we well, maybe the experience is three then. Maybe the experience is one and a half, and we're taking one and a half back for the offense and defense advantages. And you know what? We're right back then to what the current spread is right around five and a quarter. All right. Here's where I, th- I think we got two things we want to talk about next. One is we want to talk about the New England game and the officials. And we were talking about this, and man, did we get a lot of tweets of people saying, RJ, wow, I wasn't thinking of this, but I'm seeing it happen on the field. Seemed like it was a big advantage with the Pats. We're going to see what that means for this game. Also, we're going to break down Nick Foles. I think if you figure out Nick Foles and what his true level is right now, you really, I think it's fair to say, have your side in this game. I don't think, I think if you literally can answer either thumbs up or thumbs down on Foles, it tells you who you want to bet. We'll be doing that. First, our one and only commercial break. All right, guys, it's a Super Bowl. You know that. And if there's any time you're going to bet, it's probably the next couple weeks. Now, Podcast One, Dream Preview is part of that. They have an advertising relationship with BetDSI.com. They've been in business over 20 years, paying winners, A-plus rated on multiple review sites. And your sports knowledge could say it's some Dream Preview knowledge. It could be your own. Obviously, if you're betting, you want extra outs and the chance there's nothing really that's going to add to your win percentage more than having extra outs and bet DSI offers everything on football, live betting, all the props, all those exciting props that you hear about in the media and bet DSI offers odds on pretty much anything else, including all the major sports, politics, reality TV, pretty much anything. And we've got a special promo code for you to get a special bonus. It's dream 25 dream 25, all one word. And you get $25 free wager just for registering. Nothing else, no obligation. And if you decide you want to deposit money, it's a 200% bonus match on your money. I personally know many people play and recommend bet DSI. Go to BetDSI.com. Use promo code dream 25 Get free $25 wager on the house and 200% extra bonus when you deposit. That's Dream 25 to get your free wager and start playing today. Also, we've got True Car. We want to welcome them as a supporter. And it's been a few weeks of the Dream Preview. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what that stands for. I didn't until... True car came on board, but here we are. But what does it actually mean? 
Same question, I think, is viable about terms like invoice price, list price, dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. Our head of sales, Tom, actually just bought a car, and I was quizzing him on this. I said, and it was a new car. I tell you, this guy's doing all right. And it was like an expensive new car, and I'm like, well, what was the list price? What was the invoice? He just kind of looked at me, was batting his eyes. And, I mean, it confuses people, even a wise guy. And Tom's not a wise guy, but even a wise guy. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing true price from true car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want. And this includes fees and any accessories before you even get to the dealership. I wonder how many thousands Tom would have saved, Fez. 1,400. You think 1,400? Wow. You can go over under. I tell you this, he would crawl across cut glass for 1400 So I think he's lamenting it right now. True car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if true price is a great price? Because true car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win, win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh-oh, small print. Some features not available in all states. Well, to me, if it's available in your state, that means you're getting a pretty good deal. Check it out. And we're back, Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell. Let's get to the rest, Fez. What was your takeaway? I was on Adam Carolla with my weekly hit, and I said, guys, if there's ever a game the NFL's got something to say on, they want to influence. We're not saying full-on chicanery. We said the way they would influence it would be through the referees and by having refs who were prone to call the game in a way that would benefit the Pats. It was historically low number of penalties on the Pats. I totally understand your theory of, well, maybe they're not telling them, but they know they want to please their boss. I don't want to hear any of the rationale. I want to hear, do you think the game was called 100% fairly, or do you think that was an influence? It was an influence. It was. It was. Let's read the stats. Pats, one penalty, 10 yards. Jacksonville, six penalties, 98 yards. Let's face it, on every play in the NFL, there's a little bit of holding that goes on. The refs absolutely swallowed the whistle on calling the marginal holding calls against the Patriots. And at the end of the first half, RJ, you and I, we watch a lot of football. There's a bomb down the sideline. The Patriots are in trouble. They're down three to 14. You said it. Hey, we got a score here. There's some incidental contact. It's not that well of thrown ball. We've seen that play 10 times, maybe three times. The flag comes flying. There was no question in my mind that it was more than likely that I'd see a flag. And I did 50 yard Pass interference penalty, boom, Patriots back in the game. All right, so let me get this straight. Steve Fazek, two-time Super Contest champion, only one, is saying the NFL uh, uh, attempted to influence the outcome of the game that decided the one of the participants in the Super Bowl. No, I said the referees know where the bread is buttered, and when in doubt, they were going to throw a flag against the Jaguars and not throw one against New England unless they were sure it was a clear-cut penalty against the Patriots. Hey, now. All right. I think I agree with you. I'm, I'm not as innocent as you with the idea of, well, you know, you've got this kind of, there's this subconscious space you're in where you're not really thinking. And, and I think it's pretty much going in saying, hey, we are, you know, 
but you know, in a weird way, your approach is actually more chicanery than mine, more devious than mine. I'm saying it, let's just say this, let's say, let's keep it real simple. You're playing a backyard one-on-one game and there's high, high stakes. And this is a weird backyard one-on-one basketball game that has a referee and you're a super physical player and you want to win. If one way you could gain an edge is make sure a ref came in that hardly called a foul. Right? So I don't think that ref's thinking, well, you know, the boss wants me not to call foul. I think his natural inclination is not to call fouls. And thus you put that guy in that spot. I think they found refs who naturally were going to call penalties on a physical defensive backfield. And that's what they did. It was more in, in the pass interference is exactly what we predicted. Well, for whatever the reason is harder, his shoes, more penalties got called. Yes. So great point. How does it carry forward? My thought is it doesn't at all. I disagree. Ooh. Let's make Go. some let's make some money in the Super Bowl because let's look at what happened with Minnesota and Philadelphia. Now the over under and penalties, this was up for both games. Approximately 13 penalties was the expectation based upon season long tendencies. Both games went way under. There were seven penalties in the New England game. There are only six penalties in the Eagles game, two on Minnesota, four on Philadelphia. So think about this. You've got really big problems with ratings. You're down 20% versus what your ratings were in the NFL. What do fans hate to see? Lots of flags, lots of disruption. They don't want to see all these penalties. I think a little wink, wink, nod, nod to all the referees. Hey, call the game right, but when in doubt, let it go. And I think we're going to see that in the Super Bowl as well. So we go with a prop on the under. So we're going to, we're going to bet the under 12. I expect 12 and a half to be the number of penalties. And that's certainly tease ahead when not even out yet, when it does come out, that's one of my bets I'll be making. So this is a bonus. This is probably one. Now you put together, correct me if I'm wrong. You put together a massive package for the Super Bowl Cause you are, in my opinion, the best public NFL prop player there is. How many props will you personally be batting? Probably bet 25 to 30. And what I do with my package, because I sell my Super Bowl prop package, and I say, hey, here's what's widely available you can bet. And I'll go ahead and list. There'll probably be five to 10 of those. And then I'll probably look, more than five. Probably more than five. They'll be close to 10. But what I'll do is then there'll be 10 or 15 others. I'll say, hey, just to let you know, I bet this. It's really hard to find or it doesn't exist anymore. But I bet it. Maybe you can find it. And I'll go ahead and show people what I actually bet as well. All right, so guys, listen, you know, we probably the whole season we've spent less than five minutes pitching picks. But if you're thinking about betting the Super Bowl and you like props, this is probably the best money spent. Go to pregame.com, go to buy picks, go to Fezzik, Super Bowl props, and you're, you're going to release them as you find them, as you, so you, there'll be, if you buy earlier, like now, you're going to get them. And these prop numbers move, right? Absolutely. Meaning that usually it's, uh, I mean, I'd say what 80 plus percent of the time they move the the number gets worse for you because you were on the right side. Absolutely. And I, I believe I, I texted you, right? The, the Thielen information I got on game day that he had a fracture in his back and it was much more significant. I sent that out to the clients as one of my bets that I made. And we just saw his number free fall down from 75 to like 65 yards. Got 24 yards. I think easy under. Dan, you're buying dinner tonight, right? I am buying dinner for everyone. Now let's play big bank. Take little bank. (laughs) <laughs> I've been waiting to use that one. <laughs> I love, I bet Fez's props. I'll just say it like that. And if you're playing and that's a beauty when you have 10 of them, you know, even if you're not betting a ton of money, 
Because that's the catch-22, right? If you're betting 20 bucks, 50 bucks a game, you can't, you know, we tell you don't go buy one pick for 20 bucks if you're betting 50, right? It just doesn't work. But if you're getting, you know, upwards of 10 props, you don't have to bet all that much. And and let's be candid, when it comes to betting on the Super Bowl, to feel like you, to know really you're on the right side. There's no guaranteed winners, but to know you're on the right side with Faz is a good feeling. And the beauty of my prop package is everyone, in the entire world should buy at least once, RJ, because it explains. <laughs> Wait, let's get that straight. Everyone in the entire world, people in, should buy in Uganda Francisco. and China, they should buy. Because if you're a better, <laughs> and here's why, because you'll see what I'm looking for, and you can actually look for this. A lot of these in each and every Super Bowl, the same Oh, so you're saying applies. if you buy it once, you don't need to buy it again. No, you still need to buy it, but you'll say, oh, Fezzik's on Just this. not as much. He's on this one again. He it, usually it, plays this each and every year. It's just the Muslim woman over in the Middle East, once she buys the first time, she doesn't need the second one. <laughs> It'll be a little less valuable. This is your wake-up call, pal. Go to work. All right, let's talk foals. Is, to me... If you look at the line and look at what it would have been with Wentz in the Atlanta game, we were up to a 10-point adjustment. The thought was Philly at home would have been almost seven in that game, and they were plus three. That's a 10-point adjustment. That's the biggest adjustment tied with Aaron Rodgers in the history of the NFL. One of my best bets of the year was on Eagles. Obviously, we had a winner there. I thought that was crazy. We talked about it right here on the dream preview. Now we're at the point and let's ask the question. And Matty Holt back next week, he had a different opinion on this. If Wentz is playing Fez, what's your true, now let's make your bookmakers line as in, this is the market line, meaning you take into account public bias. What would you make the line? I still have to make new England favored because they're so gonna, you said pick them. So now so you're backing up. Well, you know, you said, what's well, my bookmaker. Oh, line okay, balance, that's true. That's right. True. So I'll make new England. I said pick them, but I'll make New England minus one, one and a half to get balanced action. Okay. And Maddie thought two. All right. So let's call it two. He is the biggest bookmaker in Vegas when it comes to bookmaking. I think he's a little more qualified. He did back down to the challenge of the super. Remember he was talking, you know, he'll be listening. So we're not talking behind his back. Remember he was talking up like, I'm good at the NFL. And I'm saying, yeah, you are. He goes, probably as good as Fezzik. I'm like, hmm, let's bet a hundred K in the super contest heads up. He, he he kept talking, but he never said yes. Remember? You know, and we we could just bet 500 if that, he's uncomfortable. No, with no, 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 no. I, I don't care. You got to bet amounts at the other. You got to feel like the other person is thinking, contemplating like self-harm after you beat them. You want them to feel with that. You don't want them to do it, but you want them to feel You it. want them hugging their pillow. Yeah, night. you want them hugging their pillow. Or what's the point, right? What's the point? If it's a personal bet. Plus, I hate bookies, so I want the bookies hugging. I mean, I want bookies to go bro. I like one of my great joys would hear like book XYZ's out of business. Now, obviously, if it's an online book, it's not paying people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a guy. I'd love to see a book get broke in Vegas. Well, it happened in 1997. Tom's, I wasn't here. Tom Sunset Casino. They also owned the beach. They had that nightclub and that sports book in there. Both favorites covered in the NFC and the AFC championship games. Uh, about two days later, Tom Sunset casino sports book was no more they actually went bankrupt i know this because there's a bond that's supposed to cover this only a hundred thousand in nevada i only got back like 62 cents on the dollar and my tickets that had not been cashed hold on a second tell us the story 
Tom Sutton. I'm joking. I don't want to hear this goofy story. Like, are you really complaining about you got shorted 25 years ago? You said that. <laughs> you root for the bookies to go bankrupt. Well, yeah, I just gave the example. I, I wanted to hear about their pain, not your pain. You know, didn't we agree that when you covered that Minnesota game of the year? Peace money and line? love. Peace <laughs> and love. <laughs> All right. Let's say two. So the line's four and a half right now. So Carson Wentz has gone from being worth 10 points to two and a half points. Not a lot of value left on the Eagles. <laughs> I, I mean, what's <laughs> happening? I don't understand it. But you are, you've gotten this line somehow down to where you think four and a half or five is right. No, I had like, like I said, five and a quarter, five and a half. Yeah, but you can't bet that different. But four and a half and five and a quarter. And with a couple other adjustments, I could easily make this line five and a half to six. I think that you're getting shorted if you're trying to bet the Eagles here. Listen, I'm going to say this, and I'm probably not going to bet it. So please understand, I have a feeling. You know what I might actually do? It just hit me. I might bet like New England by like 31 or something. Like, you know, just go up to those you know, over a certain amount with a jumbo payoff. Is there a way to do that? That Because, you know, if you just go to the MGM or whatever and look, you know, 29 to 34, I mean, you're getting ripped off. Is there, I mean, what's the best? If I think New England's going to win by 20 plus, what's the best way to get value? Yeah, shop the alternative lines. That will be one of the props that all the books are going to offer where they'll go ahead and have the teaser line where New England will be minus 11 and a half and then they'll put up a minus 17 and a half and probably a minus 22 and a half. Because whenever I hear schemes are a disadvantage of the Pats, it's like you're giving Belichick two weeks to change the scheme, right? So I get you can't – there's something so fundam- fundamental you can't change them, but it just it just strikes me that, that Philly rode their home field as much as any team I can remember in the last 10 years. I agree with that, but I – I'm very worried about the fact seven Super Bowls for the Patriots. Seven close games have not won any of them by more than six, RJ. I was going to make fun of people saying that. Like, it's six games or seven games. It's like, what's the difference? It's like they're playing really good teams. They're going to tend to be close games, right? I mean, it wasn't like they were favored by 21. I mean, I guess the the Giants were the the one Giants game, right? They were double-digit favorites, but... What were they? Seven against Carolina, seven against the Eagles. I mean, Correct. it wasn't like they were um, huge favorite. When you're when you're favored by seven, you win by three. It's not that far off. The teaser bets won. You know, I don't know. I, I don't think New England plays. I mean, I guess the only reason that would make sense is if they play particularly conservatively, or if you somehow thought just the last twenty years the AFC has been weak and thus they've been overrated coming in. I mean, what other reason would the Super Bowls be closer? Yeah, and the Patriots look to step on your throat completely when they get ahead. So that they, they certainly aren't going to let up. Um, Brady's going to keep zinging the ball the whole game. Because I have a feeling that the truth of the Eagles was more of what we saw in the line of that Atlanta game. And there's been a major adjustment since off of two home wins. And I, again, Carolina had that role too a couple years ago where they were just at home and they were rolling. But man, I... I mean, I, I can't think of another team in the last 15 years that the that the home seemed to matter. The home field seemed to matter so much. Yeah, let's talk about Foles and the favorable schedule he got dealt. So he has to go ahead and take over. He does win the game at the Rams. Then he gets he plays at the New York Giants team that basically had quit. Then they play Oakland right after the Oakland Dream Crusher at home. There's a team that should have quit. They get to play Dallas at home after Dallas. All their playoff hopes were gone and they had quit. 
and then he gets two more home games against Atlanta and Minnesota. That is as favorable a playoff scheduling run you can get going into the Super Bowl. All right, let's do this to wrap is let's give an early best bet and then we can talk about some optimal betting approaches because remember, guys, who you're going to bet is the first decision. Then it's how you bet, especially in the Super Bowl. There's so many different ways to get at it and also when you bet. So, Fez, we're going to be, obviously, there's going to be many more props next week. Um, Give, in general, uh, some optimal betting advice based on if you like Philly, consider this. If you like New England, consider that. If you like over, you like under, you like this. You know, just, again, you're not going to hit on everything, but give us some good broad strokes, and then we'll do our best bet. Very good. Let me start with the total. 14 of the last 20 Super Bowls have been higher scoring in the second half than in the first half. And it makes a lot of sense to me. Both teams, very conservative. Typically, they don't want to lose. They don't want to turn the ball over, make that big mistake to start the game. So great betting strategy. If you like the under, look to play the first half under. You can still get 24. If you like the over in this game, why not wait it out? Wait until maybe the second quarter, then during live wagering. At that point, go ahead and consider betting it over. The poster child of this, I think, was the Carolina-New England Super Bowl that was 0-0 forever and wound up flying over. Alternatively, you can play the second half over. I think those are all betting op- better betting options if you're betting over than betting the game over. Now, can't you bet second half scoring is going to be more than first half? Yes, but that prop is really expensive. So it's like minus a half, minus a dollar twenty typically. Um, so the the pricing in that prop is really expensive. Whereas in the live wagering, oftentimes what happens? The eye test. Oh, these teams can't score at the end of the first quarter, and all of a sudden, instead of playing over forty eight, you can. There's one field goal, and you can play over forty. All right, let's talk sides. Yeah, let's talk sides. So basic strategy in every Super Bowl. What happens is there's a phenomenon where the public loves to bet the underdog to win, not to cover. Very unsophisticated bettors betting big dollars. They bet the money line on the underdog. So what typically happens is you get very low money lines on the favorite compared to what you get during the regular season. Example in this game. So the Patriots are five and a half point favorite. If this was a regular season game, you'd be laying minus 230 on the money line. Here in town in Vegas right now, minus 190s are popping up on the New England Patriots such that if you're going to bet the Patriots and there's no hurry, I would wait until game day. You want to play the money line because the money line is so cheap compared to a typical five-point favorite. That's the optimal way to get at the Patriots. If you like the Eagles, shop around. I'm not sure if this line's going higher or lower. I think it probably might even leak up a little bit, but you want to play plus the points on the Eagles and definitely don't do something like bet plus 165 on the Eagles where you're getting shorted mightily on the money line. So this is very clear, actionable advice. If you like Philly, look spread. If you like New England, you almost got to bet the money line, right? Because that disparity because of all of those squares betting the Eagles on the money line because they just want to bet a little to win a lot. It's not even about liking the Eagles. They want 30 bucks on the game. They they don't want to bet 30 to win 15, right? They want to bet 30 to win you know, 55 or whatever. And we talk about Vegas winning almost every year on the Super Bowl, 23 of the last 25 years. What's one of the years they didn't win? That's when the Giants upset New England as a huge underdog because the book saw these, what they thought were completely square bets. And they were people taken plus 400 on a 14 point underdog of the Giants when they should have been getting even more, but the Giants won outright. The books rolled the dice and they lost. 
by accepting those square recreational bets on the money line. Boo-hoo. We're, we're not unhappy. <laughs> All right. Speaking of big money on the underdog, I tweeted this out Wednesday afternoon, and I'm going to read it so we make sure it's verbatim. Breaking, dash, 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 famous World Series let it ride batter in negotiations with MGM to make biggest sports bet in Las Vegas history on hashtag fly Eagles fly to win Super Bowl to win now money line Super Bowl 52 parenthetically upwards of eight figures eight figures that's 10 million expected on this historic bet now since I've got almost 1200 retweets 1500 likes 178 comments now what I'll say is this just like with my injury report is I'll make, you know, I could say, guys, you know, I never say it if I don't know it. We'll just wait and see. Next week, I'll take my victory lap on this one. But it is noteworthy. So, Fez, knowing that this is true, now, if he's able to get that full amount down at the MGM, we'll see. I actually heard rumblings he already did today, but I haven't gotten it confirmed in a way I trust. So, I don't know that for sure. The money line dropped there to one, uh, what was it, 190. So, that that seemed like the kind of move that that might, when you looked at it, was MGM lower than the market? Yeah, MGM and the Coast are the two low uh, on the but total But they're the poles. square shops too, though. Yes. With stations. Yes. So so, so what's going to happen now, think about it. You're a bookmaker. You take a $10 million bet on the Eagles plus whatever. You give the better. Now you got to try to balance. So you go to minus 190. No takers. We're going to go to minus 185. We're going to go to minus 180. Whatever it takes, baby. And it's unclear how low you have to go to get a reasonable amount of buyback. I was talking to one of my sources at the MGM, and what he told me was they were debating based upon could they get close to even by, by kickoff. And how do you get close to even, right, is you got to offer especially juicy odds on the pat. So would it, it seems obvious, but would the advice be if you're in Vegas to look to bet at the MGM? Cause they're probably going to be off market a little bit. If they do take this bet. Absolutely. And they're no dummies over at the MGM. They're going to look at the screen and they're going to match. It's almost like the, um, uh, uh, a car dealership. That's going to give the best price, right? That you're going to go ahead. As soon as you see a competitor, to go to minus one eighty. You're like, I got to undercut that guy. I want to get all that money on the favorite. I'm going to go to minus 180 or if not minus 175. And remember now is this is an important point. People don't realize this is the one game, the one event a year that bookmakers are not okay being super lopsided. We all hear about the, oh, they want to, you know, a million on one, 1.1 million on one side, 1.1 million on the other. And they make a hundred thousand, right? Well, yeah. That's the theoretical hold. They don't, they don't even strive for that. They just want to make it where no one coin flip or even 48%, if they have a 52% edge or whatever, even if they think they're on the right side, they don't want to have a, a red month over one game. So in general, I would make the case that the sports books are going to open them. Now, the catch 22 is the only way not to get lopsided is to move the line. And that's, you can open yourself up to middles and have a black Sunday type disaster where you truly get middled. So, you know, where, you know, the, the favorite batters win and the dog batters win for the most part. So in general, how do we account for the fact that the, do you agree with me? The books are scared to be lopsided in the Super Bowl. They're really not scared. 
They'd prefer not to be in other games. They're scared in the Super Bowl. Yes. How do we take advantage of that? It seems like the way is they're going to move the line more aggressively. Yes. So they'll overreact to some of these properties are going to get someone to walk up and say, hey, I want to bet half a million on this game. And someone's going to pop that bet in. They're going to panic. And they're probably going to, like you said, they don't want to get middled. So what they might do, they might move the VIG 15 cents, RJ. And boom, all of a sudden, you get an off-market number. You can play back the other way at that specific property. It's not unusual during Super Bowl week that you can have a pure scalp in both directions, laying five, taking five, and taking plus a dollar ten, laying 105. Oh, I like that. Good stuff. Follow him on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K, at Fezzik Sports, all one word. Best bedtime. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. All right, Fezzy, early best bet. I love giving this one out because so often, RJ, you hear me saying, hey, you got to bet this one tonight. The line's going to move. Hurry, get to the window. Sell your house, sell your car, sell your kids. Oh, You get the Eagles plus three against the Falcons. That number won't be there on game day. Well, this is one I'm going to tell you. Have a few beers. Take your time. Bet this one on game day because I think the number is going to get better for a variety of the reasons we've discussed on this podcast. We're going to take New England just to win the game on the money line. I think it's going to drop down. It's perfectly good at the current Hold level. On, Fez. We're doing it. We're doing a best bet next week. Why would you be giving this one now? Because it's the you, one you bet got, I have. You, it's the only thing you like right now. There's it's, not a, I, you got to dig into another prop. But they're not up yet. Though. There's no, I mean, all the, there's nothing we'll like give, the three turnover, you know, any of that crap. All right. We're going to do two of them. We're going to do the New England money line. Well, on well, game you can day. say that for next week. We'll save that for next week. We're going to go penalties. We talked about that earlier. We're going to play the penalties. I expect it to come 12 and a half total penalties under 12 and a half. The league very worried about ratings. So you're for your best bet. You're given the pick you gave earlier. Yes. Fez. Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk, you know, <laughs> we're going to talk the pro bowl for three or four minutes. And as you're doing it with a third of your mind, be thinking of another prop or something. <laughs> I mean, we can't play the blossom song and give him nothing. All right. But you know something now we'll see if you can come up, but you are going to give a rare future in the NBA, but this, but this is an NFL pod. We got to give him NFL. So I just gave them two winners. I know, but you gave two you gave winners. It away. RJ. Listen, if you come in the day before Valentine's day, and buy, and bring your wife lunch. All right, I'll give it. All right, I got. Uh, it. Hold on. Do you go not show up with nothing on Valentine's Day? Say I brought you lunch yesterday. Right or wrong? Do you do that? No comment. <laughs> Listen, anyone that's married with a child that watches the um, Hobbit is being very nice to their wife. Let's be candid. I'm ready to go, RJ. <laughs> Are you ready yeah. for it? Oh, all right, hold on. Don't know about. All right, go ahead. All right. We talked about how New England has never scored a point in their last seven Super Bowls in the first quarter. We talked about how the second half is higher scoring than the first half. There's a prop. This one is up at Bookmaker. It'll be up at some other places here. Third quarter to be higher scoring than first quarter. We're going to lay minus 138 in a bet that I love making each and every year. All right. So third quarter. Higher scoring than first quarter. That's for both teams. Yes. And you're going to lay 138. Up to minus 138. Yes, sir. Sounds like you broke that one down on the spreadsheet. All right, guys, listen. You know how hard, how much I'm fighting for you. So I hope you appreciate it. So you've got the uh, look ahead on the money line, though we wait for that one. 
You also got the penalties. And you also got, we, we dragged it out of them. It, it was tough. It was tough. The third quarter outscoring the first quarter, both teams combined in the third versus both teams combined in the first. Minus 138 is your limit on that. You'll lay it. All right. We're talking now. Five minutes or so each on the Pro Bowl and then an NBA bonus with another bet in there. Yowza. Let's talk Pro Bowl. Fez, line's not out yet. We're taping Wednesday. How do you approach the Pro Bowl? It's difficult. <laughs> let me explain what's it's going com- on. Is this, like your, is this like your relationship status on Facebook? Uh, let's, it's complicated. Uh, I don't go to Facebook. <laughs> let me summarize what's happened with the Pro Bowl because it's just been changing each and every year. AFC used to just play the NFC. The game used to be in Hawaii. It was trending upwards. Then they had three games where they scored virtually 100 points each and every game. Became a joke. Then what they did is they said, we're going to have this team captain approach where we pick players. And they did that for three years. And the scoring came down a little bit. And it had limited appeal. So 2016, two things changed. They went back to the AFC against the NFC. But they moved the game to Orlando instead of playing in Hawaii. And they played it before the Super Bowl instead of after. And the total in this game was something in ridiculously high, like 80. And the final score was 20 to 13 in the AFC one. Good luck setting a total this year based upon this. But one thing I do know, RJ, in the NBA uh, All-Star game and in the Pro Bowl, you think it wouldn't matter. It does matter. Whoever wins, the conference that wins is at a big disadvantage motivationally. Why? We talk about all these teams being at a 10 during the regular season. These guys are at a four at the Pro Bowl. And the conference that lost the year before typically brings it the next year. And also the NFC was significantly better than the AFC this year. I'm going to be betting on the NFC. There's not a spread up yet, but I think the NFC is going to win this Pro Bowl. Game done changed. Game the same. Just got more fits. All right. Pro Bowl early look. Check Fez on Twitter and he'll give you updates on that, I'm sure. And as we said, my Twitter at RJ in Vegas is there'll be a lot of drama, I'm sure, as we break stories and such. All right, NBA, we did. And for those listening, if you're going to bet college basketball during even just March Madness, I mean, if you're betting and planning to bet in February, this is a no-brainer. But even if you're just betting in March Madness, we started this Tuesday our basketball dream preview. I guess recorded Tuesday out Wednesday. It's out now. And it was... Brad Powers, myself, and Dave Esler, a pregame pro, who will actually have some stuff from in the NFL next week because he is a New England native and he knows that team extremely well. But Esler's been with pregame for almost 10 years now, and the depth of his knowledge is really impressive. He's not like a showman. you know. So what we do is I tape him about 10, 12 minutes, and I, I break it up in a little two minutes of just chock full information we play during the show then get feedback on so this week we had overrated college basketball teams underrated we looked at trey young we looked at the most the the biggest surprise of any college basketball team this year there was a team that was 11th and uh they were supposed to be 11th in their conference and they actually are undefeated in their conference so far and best bets and actually those best bets went on the wednesday games but so you won't be able to hear that once you hear this, but there was a look ahead to the Saturday Virginia Duke game, probably the biggest college basketball game of the year. So even if you're just going to play in March Madness, it's an hour. It's a short pod 
And I think it's going to get you caught up and ready to go for college basketball. Now, Fez, starting the week after the Super Bowl, you'll be joining the basketball pod as an NBA originator. You originate in the NBA. We wanted to give a little bit of a tease here. Go. We're going to go to the futures market, an area that I never go to, RJ. In fact, I often talk about it's impossible to find value. I think I found it. I'm going to take the Houston Rockets, 8-1. to one. That number's at the Westgate. You can find it at a couple other places as well to win the NBA title. Here's my case for the Rockets. They have not been healthy all year long, yet they have the second, I'm sorry, the third best record in the NBA right now. When they have their two starting guards, Harden and Chris Paul, they just got Chris Paul this year, along with their center. That lineup is 17 and 0 in terms of a um, point differential per game. Their differential is plus eight. Only one team is better than them. Golden State Warriors at plus nine. Now everyone's saying, but Golden State's way better, Fez. What are you doing getting in front of the Golden State freight train? There's one stat that I'm going to point to why Golden State is vulnerable to Houston. If you look at first quarter differential, that's when you have all your starters out there. That's the team that's going to play most of the minutes in the playoffs. The Houston Rockets are five points better than an average team in the NBA. That's their point differential. Golden State is only 0.4 points better. They've struggled mightily with their starting lineup in the first quarter. Uh, There's a lot of reasons for that, but they are not as good a team as they've been during their dynasty years, the last three years where they won the title twice. I really think that the Rockets at 8-1, to I think they're the only team that can beat Golden State this year. Everyone else is down in the NBA. It's a, a lot of the contenders, including the Cavaliers, are really, really struggling. I think it's between Houston and Golden State. I will take the 8-1. to one. Now, I haven't thought about this, and I should know it. Is there a way to bet both of those? I mean, obviously you can, but can you can you price it in a way that you, like if you're right, like what do you think the odds, what kind of odds would I have to give you if I bundled Golden State and Houston, and I said, I want those two, you take the other 28, what kind of plus money would you have to take in order to be willing to take the other 28? Well, Golden State, just against the field, is yeah. minus 250 in the betting markets, take back plus 200. So they're they're an onerous favorite, a prohibitive favorite. Understood. I think they should only be like maybe minus 180. Okay, so you don't see that combination combo being the value. You see, hey, they're, they're, they should be minus money. There's a premium on Golden State, but where you think – the overlay is is specifically with Houston. Absolutely. All right, good stuff. All right, guys, here's something simple. One, at the very end, we're going to have a special song. I don't often play songs, but there's a, we're, we want to commemorate something. So we've got a, a little, just one verse of a song that I think uh, will make some of you chuckle, I think, and have some fun. Others, maybe not. And But before we go, we want to talk about next week. So next Tuesday, now we usually don't have a release on Tuesday, I will be releasing, the plan is, my Oscar Goodman interview, former mayor of Las Vegas. He was part, he actually, in Casino, for those that don't know, the movie, Casino, he is, um, he played, he was involved in Casino. He was in the movie, actually. But he also was the lawyer in real life to the Joe Pesci character. And he was like his lawyer for, um, I think, 10 years almost, if I'm remembering right. And uh, Oscar Goodman, probably one of the most famous mayors of the last 20 or 30 years across the country. We spent almost two hours talking about old Vegas, talking about sports batters, Billy Walters. I mean, it was a really, it was an honor for me to do the interview. We'll be releasing that Tuesday. Now, next Wednesday, it will be the, uh, the basketball pod for that week. 
next Thursday. The Super Bowl pod, Maddie Holt's back. Maybe the biggest show of the year. Tons of props, Fez and me, obviously. And then on Friday, we've got a new show called Don't Bet On It. What's Don't Bet On It is we look at the hottest of the hot takes. Stephen A. Smith, buddy of mine, but we're not going to spare him. Colin, buddy of mine, we're not going to spare him. It doesn't matter where the hot take came from. We're going to take cold cash from Vegas and really deconstruct these hot takes. Or we're going to say we agree with it. A lot of people are questioning it, but Vegas agrees with it. Me and Steve Cofield, who is a longtime Vegas radio host, it should be fun. It's going to be, I, I think a lot of Vegas people enjoy the the logic and the objectivity that Vegas brings to the table, and we're going to be attacking those hot takes. That comes out on Friday morning, and that will be a weekly show. So what I would suggest is if it's iTunes, if it's whatever player you use, subscribe, and you will get all the new shows immediately. And if you're not subscribed yet or you don't even know the player you like to use, then just go to uh, Podcast One, search for RJ Bell or any of the podcast players that you might find. Search for it. You subscribe. It's free. And you get all the shows immediately. Talk to you there. When you're sitting there in your silk upholstered chair, talking to some rich folks that you know, well, I hope you don't see me in my ragged company. All that you know, I could never be alone. Take me down, little Susie, take me down I know you think you're the queen of the underground Send me dead flowers every morning Send me dead flowers by the maid Send me dead flowers to my wedding And I won't forget to put roses on your grave Yeah, I ain't no suit-wearing businessman like you. You know, I'm just a gangster, I suppose. And I want my corners. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hi, this is Dennis Miller, and I want to invite you to listen to my new podcast, Red Circle Sports, right here on Podcast One. I'll be recapping the weekend's most exciting sports stories, and I'll bring them to you every Tuesday. Plus, 
hear me chat with some of my favorite sports industry guests like Rich Eisen. So be sure to subscribe to Red Circle Sports with me, Dennis Miller, on the Podcast One app at podcastone.com or on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Be there or be square.